Have you realized yet that your purpose in life is constantly evolving? The thing is, it can only evolve, grow, and expand to the extent you're willing to do the work to heal. That's why I've created a transformative half-day virtual event designed for purpose chasers who want to integrate their authentic selves in every aspect of their life. Together, we're going to co-create conversations around reflecting on current patterns, amplifying your genuine desires, prioritizing fulfillment over the facade of what you should do, and we'll talk about achieving actual tangible results. I believe our work together will have a profound impact on your life as we break you out of autopilot, scale your potential, and set you up to attract everything you say you desire. Plus, this space will be an enjoyable and supportive environment for new connections with like-hearted purpose chasers from all over the world. Together, we will laugh, dance, and maybe cry, but we'll be doing the work together. If this speaks to your soul and you want to detox and release what's no longer serving you so you can live fully in the pillars of redefining wealth, tickets are currently complimentary for this half day of coaching, training, and co-creating a new blueprint for your heart's desires directly with me. So grab your ticket today at patricewashington.com slash soul detox. That's patricewashington.com slash soul detox. Credit problems typically happen unless you're a victim of identity theft from behavior things. So if we never stop the bleeding, we never stop the behavior that causes us to get there. We can't improve the credit. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with entrepreneur and credit expert, Dominique Brown. He says, if you want to be better with money, it's a must that you become radically intentional. Hey there, this is Patrice from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another installment of the Redefining Wealth podcast, where we believe that wealth is more than money and material possessions. Wealth is actually about your well-being. So if you're an OG listener or a purpose chaser, you already knew that. But if you are new here, then welcome for the first time. And the way that you learn more about myself and why I started this movement is by going to the first several episodes. So yeah, in that podcast app that you're listening on, go all the way back so that you can understand more about the six pillars of wealth. Because money is actually the very last pillar. And you are here just in time to hear the end of a series that I've been doing for the last three weeks called Confident Money. In honor of April being Financial Literacy Month, Uh, I really wanted to bring folks in who could give us some practical tips about how we could be better with money. Now, I have to tell you, this episode is brought to you by my Purpose Chasers. Yes, you can be an official Purpose Chaser by going to IamAPurposeChaser.com. That's IamAPurposeChaser.com. That is my completely complimentary community so that we can find purpose chasers from other parts of the world, but even in our own backyard and really share how we're using these pillars to propel our lives forward. And money for me is always the byproduct of doing the work that I need to do on being fulfilled in the other areas of life. And so I love the purpose chaser community because we get to share what's working, what's not, where we're struggling, where we need support in all of those different areas. And what I love most is that you guys share your wins. 
So this episode is brought to you by the Purpose Chasers again at IamAPurposeChaser.com. Come on over. We just announced last week uh, the new Patrice's Pod Club book, which is Wealth Can't Wait by our guest last week, David Osborne. So come on over if you're serious about getting your wealth up. And by wealth in this term, I mean financial wealth. Now, a little bit about my guest today, known Dominique for some time, and I'm really excited. He is so down to earth and so cool, but he is a brain. We happen to be in a private mastermind community where he shares all the time um, so many incredible tips and uh, just around business and money. And so I'm so honored that he said yes, because I've been wanting to introduce him or introduce you, my community, to him for quite some time. And so without further ado, let me tell you a little bit about Dominique. He's the owner of the YFS Academy and Your Finances Simplified, and he helps individuals and small businesses overcome their financial roadblocks to financial freedom. His motto is finances can be fun. And you'll hear in just a second, he likes to make everything fun. It stands for his long held conviction that becoming rich is a lifestyle choice that one has to learn to enjoy. Just like living with a healthier diet and exercise is difficult, but rewarding, improving your financial lifestyle can be just as fun in a productive and fulfilling way. And so without further ado, listen in to the gems in a fun way with Dominique Brown. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth Podcast, Dominique. Thank you for having me. How's it going? How's it going, cousin? <laughs> now, you, you can't just get on starting to call me cousin because I haven't really introduced all that yet. I mean, we all at the cookout. They gonna, no, you don't know everybody at the cookout until we start fighting over the food. So we about to fight over the food. So everybody. <laughs> so, so you guys know, um, I met Dominique, I don't know how many years ago now, maybe four years ago. I want to think it was FinCon too. Yeah, it was like four years ago. It, it, about four years ago. And Dominique stood out to me, not only because he was the only person walking around in a three-piece suit, which every really day. reminded me of a different, uh, three, a different three-piece suit every a day. Different oh, three-piece suit every day. I was very impressed because <laughs> I think I told you at that time, like, oh my gosh, you remind me of my husband because people would always be like, why are you so dressed up or overdressed? And for those of you who are not familiar with FinCon, it is an amazing conference that is created for people like us. They call us money nerds. Mm-hmm. I, I've always identified as more of a cool nerd, but that's okay. Um, but so people don't really dress like Dominique did. So I kept going, who is this guy? And the other thing was Dominique has this cool thing that he does with his eyebrow. <laughs> when he takes pictures, you can see it on his Instagram page or any pictures that you find of him. And so, yeah, we really hit it off, talked talked a lot of smack to each other and therefore became cousins. So here we are four years later. So welcome, Dominique. I'm super excited to have you. Thank you for having me on your amazing, amazing podcast. Me and my wife do listen all the time too. Shout out to Coach Sheena. She always shares on Insta stories. Thank you, Coach Sheena. And your amazing, brilliant daughter, Olivia, who I enjoy. I just enjoy watching what you guys do with her on Instagram. She's brilliant and and by design because you guys are so intentional. 100%. And that, I think that's going to probably be the theme of our talk today. I am super intentional. And when you have a child and you want to be there, they change everything. They change how you think. They change how you wake up. They change what you're motivated for. And that is my motivation to my core, her and my wife. That's awesome. You're a picture, a poster child of redefining wealth. 
So, okay, I wanted to start with the fact that you are known as Mr. Perfect Credit Score, but I heard that you started out in IT security. So how how does someone like you become known as a personal finance expert? So uh, it's, it's a tough story to say, but single parent household, we lived, we were poor, but not like poor, poor. And my mother did everything to shield me from becoming a product of my environment. So I had no clue that we were not all that. I, I did all the sports. I got, I dressed how I wanted to dress the whole nine. Well, fast forward, long story, a little less long. My mother says, well, you're going to college and you can't go to anywhere in Jersey, Philly, or Delaware. So it was George Mason University. Now, the unfortunate thing, that's out-of-state tuition. That's, you know, I'm graduating with 100000 in student loans. And as you know, if you're doing student loans, you just can't get all that as a student. So some of that is parent plus loans. So right. I rightfully so. We're talking throughout college. My, my, my mother's nailed it into my head. You don't get one of those silly degrees because you feel like, because you like it. Get one that's going to make money. Thank you. She did that. Knock on wood. So I'm looking at IT security. I'm in the D.C. area. It's a 1% unemployment rate. Um, government contractors out of out of the wazoo. 9-11 just happened. And all of a sudden, that thing is blowing up. So I graduate. I'm looking at the trend and that's what I'm telling my college folks. <laughs> you need a return on education. So you heard of ROI, I believe in ROE. So my return on education was I'm graduating making $60,000 a year. And then within a short two, three years after that, I'm at 105000 Now I'm 26 years old. So, of course, I'm doing IT security. I, I made, I'm, I'm thinking I made the right moves. The problem was my mother who helped me out, she, she didn't go through a divorce and Capricorn, usually everything is, is perfect, but she, she got with the wrong, someone who wasn't on the same page financially. And I will also say this, you know, make sure you on the same, it wasn't even the same book financially. Now I'm, I'm talking about page, different book. You're talking about one person who saves and is meticulous and another person's like, oh, we'll get it back. Well, what happened was that the house got foreclosed on, had bought too much car, um, wasn't paying taxes. So when that happened, they pretty, the government takes their money. They took it right out of their account and I couldn't do nothing. Like imagine this, somebody who shielded you from an environment where your two best friends are going nowhere or one of them's in and out of jail. You see countless cousins not making it because of your environment. Teachers, you know, doing the best they can and so on and so forth. They get you out of that. You're, you feel as though you're prospering. You've never seen this person take an L before. And the moment they come to you saying, hey, this is what's going on. You don't have the education. You don't have the money. You don't have the ability to help them. That didn't that didn't sit well with me mm -hmm. at all. So even though I was, quote unquote, making a living it, you know, in D.C. area, everybody makes six figures, truth be told. I, I was middle class D.C. I couldn't help my mother. I, I didn't have the education to help my mother. So, you know, what do you do when you are challenged by somebody who needs you? you? You go to the library for four hours a day. You're scouring the Internet for four hours a day. You not only want to help them, but you don't want that to happen to your immediate family because you can know how finances will tear a family apart. So to me, it wasn't like I was naturally cared about finances. It was I got to do this. So my mom is is good. I got to do this. So when me and Sheena get married and we have a kid, we don't have a problem. So that's what was for me. That was my catalyst. I think that's really interesting, though. You you said it as if 
well, of course you go learn. <laughs> like, of course you go figure it out. You're like, what do you do when someone who needs you is going through such a hardship? You go to the library for four hours a day. No, Dominique, you went to the library for four hours a day. <laughs> you, oh, you go on YouTube. You go on YouTube and Google that. But, well, but even I, that though, I see what you mean. People I see what are, not, are not willing to do that. Some people take on this mindset that, wow, it is what it is. And this this is what life has dealt me. And this is just what it is. So there's still something, obviously, I think. You know, what, you know what? I, I kind of agree with you there because I did have some friends at the time and I was kind of breaking it down to them. Like, what, what's going on? Like, oh, you know, that, that's her. You know, she in the door. I'm like, bro, that's my mom. Like, what do you mean? Um, that's my mom. And and it, it makes me take a hard look at my situation. It's kind of like I'm, I'm I got a. Oh my goodness! I had the, the Chrysler 300 with the Bentley grill with the chrome inserts on the outside. My wife, outside of our apartment, <laughs> let me buy. She she starts to ride or die. Let me buy those fake chrome inserts that you go on, like the the, the chrome panels that go on the side of the thing and big old rims. I'm like, hey, you you let me do that now? No, I think about it. But <laughs> back to your point, it, I was a mess, and I, I think the only way out of the mess for me. And I think a lot of it is my personality. I'm an INTJ. I'm a Capricorn. To me, and, and me and my mother very much geared the same way. If we're in a situation, it's because we did that. Uh, right. So I'm looking at it like, first, I'm angry. And then it's like, well, being angry and, and, and at your mom and because what she didn't catch isn't going to help out. You need to help now. So it was just one of those scenarios where, to me, it just felt like that what you're supposed to do. It, yeah. That's well, what I feel. And you took this great sense of personal responsibility, which I always believe with personal finance, no matter how you end up here and not that everyone wants to be an expert or a maven of some kind when it comes to money, but no matter who you are or what you do, we all need to be well-versed about our money. That just is Mm -hmm. what it is. And so I really believe the foundation of that is to take personal responsibility. So even though you weren't the catalyst for what happened um, in your mom's life. The fact that you can take a look at that and say, wow, not only do I need to figure this out to help her, but you were planning for Olivia before Olivia was born. Uh, yeah, because I, I was a, a, in a single parent household. Right. Mm-hmm. And e- even though I, I even told my, my mother, like, I had a chance to, to meet my father several times. Seven. I was like, "Ooh, I just uh, I don't like your vibe. And then when I was older, at like 26, people say, you know, you always kind of have an impact uh, on you, but I never wanted my, my daughter to have that feeling. I, I, will, I always wanted to be love. Right. So if I know eventually we was going to have children to me, it was like, bro, you got to get your stuff together now versus trying to get it together. Once you have the child, I never really believed in that. Uh, once you have the kid or once you get the dog, everything be okay. I'm like, you might as well plan for it now if you want to do it. That actually leads me to my next thing, because one of the things you say, I believe on your site, is that a family without a spending plan is a family without a plan. What do you mean by that? Well, the same thing with a budget. Like people say, oh, I'm not bad at budget, but you budget every day. You just don't write it down. You, <laughs> like, you, you only have a limited amount of income, right? You, you, your rent your, or your mortgage is, is going to be a certain amount. You might as well write that down. It's like if, if if you plan to fail, you you're going to fail, fail to plan. You plan to fail. That's pretty much it's the same same. It's just a flip on that. But with money <laughs> to get you to really look at that, to be serious. Uh, the other side of the coin is I, I tell people that 
I call it a spending plan for the reason that I want you to write down the stuff that you want to accomplish and then you develop your plan to achieve that. So if you want to take trips during the summer, you want to buy rental properties, all that is budgeting, all that is number. Just write it. But you're one of those really unique people, I think, in our space, Dominique, because you're known as like a credit expert, but really you help people with so many different areas of personal finance. So you went from your mom going through this crisis and you wanting to know more about it. But then how did you become so well-versed in credit, in budgeting, in in investing, in real estate? Like you, you, you kind of have a handle on all of it. And I'm really impressed by that. But again, where does that come from? And why did you feel the need to not only learn all of these different things for yourself, but then start educating other people. How did it get into you sharing with others? So it's four phases. Now, now that I think about it, the first phase was I want to help my mother. Right. So the, the first issues we had was uh, credit issues. So, OK, I'm diving into all that stuff to figure that out. And then the budgeting, uh, they go hand in hand. So I was like, okay, we need a system for the credit. We need a system for the budgeting. And then I picked up the, a book by uh, Elizabeth Warren, The Two Income Trap. That's what kind of really helped out as far as the family side of the house. And now I'm looking at the Bible heads as far as investing. So I'm looking like, okay, mom, we got the credit together. We, we got the house back. Cool. We got the budget together. We're fine. But you're going to have to retire sometime. We can't finance that. OK, let's start looking into how we do the retirement plan. So it was kind of every time it, we I, I solve, pro, solve a problem. Right. I looked at everything as a problem to solve. I, I used to play a ton of video games and it was to me, it's the same thing. I'm just getting through a state. So, OK, we got the credit stage. We got the budgeting stage. We got the investing stage. So as you're going this to, to serve someone who you truly care about, you, I'm already motivated. Now I learned this stuff. So, okay, help my mom out, help my immediate family out. Let's create a blog because I don't want to go into business doing that. I'm still an IT guy. And then the need came from, okay, I wrote a book. I wrote the How to Fix Your Credit book. I was like, I'm tired of y'all asking me about credit. I'm going to put it all in the book. You can go ahead and get the book. Don't ask me about it again. People got the book, still didn't follow directions. I said, look, okay, cool. I don't want to do credit. I ain't going to do that. I said, you know, I don't want to do credit repair at all. So I'm going to do financial planning. So I start my financial planning company. I get all my licenses and stuff. I get my uh, my RIA going. I'm like, okay, I'm about to service all these people. Problem happens is that you have to meet people where they are. So I'm toting, oh, you don't need the credit stuff. You need to do financial planning because you need discipline. No one's listening. Like first three years in business, I'm making like 15 grand a year. Work, I still have to work my job, basically. The moment I shifted to meet people to where they are and say, okay, so think of it like a, a, so the reason why I got heavily into the credit stuff after going through all that stuff and helping my mom out, helping myself out was because the financial planning thing didn't really work out because how I was talking about it. So I was like, well, why aren't people, they want this. They telling me they want this, but why is it not working as far as they're not listening to me? I don't have an audience. So the moment I switched to let's talk about credit that's when the audience came. I had to meet people where they are, right? So it's no different than if you're in this big box store, you're walking down the aisle and they like try this free sample and you're like, oh, that quenched my, my thirst. Now I got your attention. Oh, by the way, let's talk about budgeting. Let's talk about investing. Let's talk about starting a business. Let's talk about bidding business credit. So the reason why I was well-versed in everything is because that's what I did for myself but I use the credit stuff to get people in the door. And then I expand their mind to think about all the other stuff they truly should be worried about. 
because I know your credit score is a byproduct of your financial behavior. So that's how it kind of all comes full circle. Yeah, I love that. You basically have to trick people. <laughs> I used to say I would trick people. Like you think you want this and I can help you with that. I can help you with that, but I can help you with the budget. But my bigger concern is your behavior. Like, yeah. And that's yeah. what I want to create a shift in. But if I say I want to change your financial behavior, nobody, what does that mean? I don't listen to that. Exactly. <laughs> I don't listen to that. Oh, you can get a hundred points within six months. Oh, what'd you say, sir? <laughs> Now you're talking. Okay. And so you wrote the book with the intention just that, okay, well, people are asking or they keep asking questions. So let me put the book out there. Um, But then you got into even having like an academy and all this online stuff. So how did it progress to this point? Well, I I would, it started with one-on-one. So my whole thing was, okay, I did the book. People want me to do the credit repair stuff for them. The second page of the book, I say credit repair is full of crap. They're like, huh? Like, it's, it's full of crap. Like, this is why it, it's laws, FCRA. If something is inaccurate, unverifiable, untimely, that's when it gets removed. There's no magic trick to, you know, getting stuff that you actually owe or did delete it from your report. That's all a lie. That's all marketing. I, I laid it all out. I said, well, what happens is when you combine, think of it like fitness. When you start eating right and you start working out at the same time, that's when the results happen. So in this scenario, if you're dealing with a, doing it by yourself or you're dealing with a credit guy, you need to understand that you need systems in place for the money management aspect of it while they're doing the letter sending. Because if you got some negative items, not everything is coming off. That's what I tell the people. So I did the one-on-one thing and, and it took off because people are like, oh man, no one really told me I needed to, to budget and they didn't really show me how to manage my money and, and then give me structure and say, hey, pay off your debt over 7% interest, save this and so on and so forth. So that's working. But as you know, with one-on-ones, you can only do so much. (laughs) If you're one person and you're you're actually detailed and you care, it's 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 hard on you because you're either in calls all day or you're answering customer service support all day. So it's very hard to scale a one-on-one thing. So what what happens was, yes, my immediate family's life is drastically changed, but I was limited to only helping like 500 to 1,000 people because you just tap out on the one-on-one side. The Academy came from Olivia challenging. We're on vacation. We go, we travel every two months because that's another thing I wanted to do. I always wanted to eat breakfast with my daughter, read to her in the morning, do uh, studies with her in the morning, travel at least every two months. So we're on vacation and she's old enough to talk back and stuff like that. And her talk back is like, um, hey, dad, you know, uh, I, I always say try your best and forget the rest. So she says, hey, dad, how many people have you helped this year? Because I know you like money. So I was like, well, you know, I help people with their finances and, you know, I helped like 300 people this year. So she said, that's it. <laughs> so I'm like, dang, you know, that's uh, uh, I was like, do you don't think that's a lot? She's like, you know, three. I can count to 300. I was like, oh, OK. All right. So what you mean? Well, you should help 10,000 people. And she's just still playing in the sand. I'm all like, help 10,000 people. I was like, I can't help 10,000 people one on one. So then my wife says. Don't you give your one-on-one clients an academy? She said, why don't you just actually create the, the, the course that people can use to actually improve their own credit, be extremely detailed, be like really, really good. Like they wouldn't need you. And then you market that. I said, you know what? That's why I met you. That's why I married you. I love you. You remember your vows. You know, to death do us part. You remember those. So I created the academy 
because I'm challenged by my daughter and I already had the materials to help more. So then I'm looking at help 10,000, help 10,000. So that's my mission now. That's where the Academy came about. I love it. I love it. And we'll definitely link to the Academy in the show notes because I think that what you're doing is phenomenal. I want to talk about some of the other myths, though, associated with credit. Um, because like one of them is that, oh, I'll just hire a credit repair service, right? And to your point, they could be sending letters out on your behalf, but if your behavior is jacked up, you're not helping uh, the situation at all here. What are some of the biggest credit myths that you hear out there that makes you just like baddie? The biggest, the the number one credit myth is that you can't do this on your own. I've literally seen some people make it seem like there's like super secret scroll process I'm like, no, it's not. It's not, it's not a super secret girl process. That's number one. Number two is the whole um, I could I can get stuff like completely removed in like seven days or 14 days. No, you can't. Credit bureau is going to take 30 days to respond to you or them. The third one is like the removal of student loans. I see this a lot because that's a very sensitive subject. They make it seem like if your student loans are deleted from your credit report that has anything to do with your legal obligation to pay. That's not true. Credit reporting and your legal contract are two different things. I would say the fourth one is you usually get some car dealerships. Oh, get a car to uh, improve your credit. No, it ain't. <laughs> That's an installment <laughs> loan. Your score is going to drop by 60 points. Get a mortgage to improve your credit. No, it ain't. It's, it's, it's considered, quote unquote, good debt, but that will drop your score too. Uh, oh, um, put your rent on your credit report. Don't work too well. The last one I would say is purchasing trade lines. Now, a trade line is simply something, uh, an account on your credit, right? So it could be, say you got a secure card, that's the trade line. Say you have a student loan, that's a trade line. What I've seen, and this is kind of like a micro industry, people will sell you room on their credit cards. Now, the problem is you got to give up all your personal information to do that. And they're only going to be on there for like a month. You are better off going to your auntie or your auntie or somebody who's you know responsible and just simply asking them to add you as authorized user. Don't purchase trade lines. That's temporary. It's a waste of money. Um, that's what I will start with uh, there. Oh, you said a mouthful. <laughs> you actually gave up a lot of game in terms of myths. So let's talk about then what you would suggest people do, whether it's a mindset thing or a skill set thing. If someone is going or similar to myself when I lost everything in the recession and have foreclosures and all this stuff, or your mom who went through divorce for people who've been through some type of financial trauma, what would you say are the first three things they should do to just kind of start that rebuilding process? First thing I would say is breathe, relax. It already happened. You've been through worse things than improving your credit. That's the first thing I would say because a lot of people get into a panic. They get into a rush. They think the sky's falling down. Relax. Just take a breath. The second thing I would say is be specific. Don't say, I got to get my credit score up. No, you say something like, I need to improve my credit to buy a house. I need to improve my credit to get into an apartment, right? Because then you can do very specific things to make that happen. For example, if you're trying to buy a house, you know that, oh, I need to have possibly a three and a half percent down payment. I need to get my credit score to a 640. I need to ensure that my debt to income ratio is under 51% if I'm going with a certain type of loan. So the more specific you are about your goal and uses of credit, a lot of times it's easier to stay on track and get there. The third thing I would say is that a lot of people don't like to hear this is that a, a part of 
being specific is knowing where all your money is going and where it's coming from. Credit problems typically happen unless you're a victim of identity theft from behavior things. So if we never stop the bleeding, we never stop the behavior that causes us to get there, we can't improve the credit. All right. So now I'm saying just write down everything that that's coming and that's going out. Once you have that, then you pull your credit reports and you start to analyze everything on there, looking for anything that's negative, looking for any errors, anything like that. Now you have a roadmap for your next six month, 180 day credit success. But it literally starts with taking a breath, being mm-hmm. specific, writing down exactly what's going on and then looking. 99% of the people don't even look. <laughs> right. There a lot of people. So when I used to do um, financial counseling back in the day, Dominique, people would come in and they would be ready with the sob story. They, they would be ready to give me all the excuses and all this stuff. And I know it's bad and I know it's this. And then we would pull. We would do that soft pull and get a score. And I'm like, you have a 685. Like, why are you feel like doomsday? And like, of course, there's there's room for improvement, but you were acting like you had a 300. Like, but they didn't even know. And they were fearful. And I think that's the thing. Like, the biggest fear for most people is just facing whatever it is. Just knowing. I agree 100%. I think you know this with, even with your business clients. They have this innate ability in them. They're the best at it, but they don't start. They never look. They never try. Right. And once people realize if you just say, all right, I'm, and this is why I tell people, even in the academy, if you can give me five minutes, just watch it five minutes and then execute for five minutes. You will feel better because the moment we start something, oh, we started, we're in it. We, we, we're fine now. But you got to start. You've got to look. You've got to pull that bandaid off. You've got to get in it because you not you're not going to reach your goals by not starting. So pick your poison. Do you want to uh, do you really want to win or you want to look good losing? That's pretty much what I said. Oh, do you want to win or do you want to look good losing? You really want to win or you want to look good losing? That's how I feel in the gym. <laughs> hey, that's true, too. It, it definitely applies. I'm like, you can sit out this set, but you're not going to have the abs, you know, that you say you're going for. So I keep pushing through my little hit classes. But I think it applies to most things in life. Right. Do you want to win or do you want to look good losing? That's mm-hmm. that's good. You talk about on your site, too. You mentioned with behavior as well, kind of tracking expenses down to the penny. You say you're meticulous about that. I wanted to know what types of tools or resources or just habits or practices you put in place to help you be so down to the penny with it, because I think that that thought alone is overwhelming for some people, especially mm-hmm. if they've never budgeted or never been into creating a spending plan. Do you have any um, suggestions? I, for me, it's, it's therapeutic. Um, and my wife will tell you that uh, during the down seasons in our business, typically it was December or August or something weird. Like as people are going back, it's real cyclical. People are going back to school and then Christmas is coming up. So we have these downtrends. I need to know down to the penny so I can say, the sky's not falling. You're not going to have to go work at a job again so on and so forth. So the tool I use, and it takes me 10 minutes to do it, and I I check it. Anytime I get a little bit anxiety, and this is the other thing I need you guys to realize, no matter how much money you make in business, you always just feel like, oh my goodness, this possibly can go away. Mm -hmm. And you need something to, to bring you back. And to me, looking at the numbers brings me back. It lets me know that, oh, I can hire. It lets me know I can spend more here. It lets me know I can do more of that. 
uh, if you do anything related to business, it's 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 very comforting knowing that knowing the numbers. So what I use is I'm old school with. I like to keep it simple. I use account account aggregator tool, something like Mint. I really love Mint. I load everything up in Mint. Now, what I don't like about their tools is that I don't like their budgeting aspect of it or their forward-looking stuff. I use Excel or Google Sheets for my budget, and this is how I teach it. There's only four aspects of it, and I use this for my personal and my business side of the house. You have income, which is um, net income, which actually hits your account up to top. So if you get paid four times, you got four lines. You have must-have expenses. These are things that you must pay regardless of having income coming in or not. I think we all know what that is. You have your wants. These are things that you need for you. I'm not a huge fan of restrictive budgets on the business side of the house or the personal side of the house. So if you will feel better as a person having a gym membership, please keep that. If you will feel better as a person watching uh, certain uh, episodes on TV, please keep that. I, I don't really get into, I don't watch the TV. If, if you're a person that needs to read a book every week, you need that for you. That's your escape. So you got your wants in there and then you have your savings slash goals. So I'm a huge fan of always walking towards something. I'm always striving towards something. So whether it's paying off, you have debt goals, savings goals, lifestyle goals, and income goals. But the tools meant in a straight up Excel sheet. I can do my budget, business budget and personal budget in 10 minutes. So every Friday, so I think of it like a quarter. I plan before, I think of it like a, a sporting event. So if you're a basketball person or a football person, you're scouting the other team. I scout the other month for the month ahead. So say we are in April and I'm planning for May, I'm going to have a um, entire budget that I planned on paper for May, right? And then I have an actual column, which I update every week, like a quarter. So that May starts, first quarter ends, first week ends, I update it to see how I'm doing against my budget. All I do is do that. And if I'm over, I need to adjust it. If I'm under, cool, I'm great. I can put more money towards my goals. That's it. Very simple. It takes 10 minutes. Another thing I do, I do it that way because it takes the emotion out of it. It's just numbers. The, the budget or your spending plan will never lie to you. It will not lie to you. It's just numbers. And it's very comforting knowing my numbers. And I think everyone will move way better if they knew their numbers. I, I agree with you. And I check in like every Monday is kind of my day, money Monday for me um, to go through my business and personal stuff. But I love what you said about the wants, because I've never really believed in this deprivation model either, where people are taking out everything that matters to them. Because as you know, if you listen to the podcast, I really believe in us having fulfilled lives mm-hmm. and or fulfilling lives. And I always struggle with, you know, folks that talked about budgets where it was like restrict everything, you know, no nails, no hair done, no makeup, no fun, no going out. No, I'm like, well, what does that that sound like? That sounds like jail to me. (laughs) That sounds like jail. That sounds like death. (laughs) What am I? Three hots in a cot, 23 and one lockdown, Pelican Bay. No, I'm good. (laughs) Right. It's like I understand that in different seasons, sacrifice may be required in order to hit the goal that I have for that season. Right. So when we were purchasing an apartment building, for example, there's a lot of things that we didn't necessarily do in that season because I wanted to put as much down on it and and have the money to do my rehab and all that stuff. And so suddenly going out, you know, on weekends and stuff, it wasn't a part of the plan. Like, I don't need that right now. I'm focused on this. 
which was like a six week, seven week period or something. But the point was short term sacrifice. I can see when when necessary, but a life of deprivation, I think, is why a lot of people are afraid of budgeting because they think that a budget is immediately going to restrict the fun and take the life out of their life. And so I'm so glad that you said have a want section because it's true. If you like to read books or, you know, you go to kickboxing or you have this thing that you do and it, it, it's a part of how you network. It's a part of your self-care. It's a part of how you unwind. I think I would rather include those things and take out things that are just not essential to my well-being. 100%. So I have something called a 30-day rule. So when you're going through your budget, I'm a huge fan of focusing on the stuff that you care about. If you're a car person, get that car. If you're a travel person, travel. If you're a book reader, get that book. Cool. But there's other aspects of your budget you don't need the best of the best of. Right. Mm -hmm. So where you're going to actually save money on and be happier is when you start cutting all the BS out. You cut all the BS out. You focus on stuff that makes you happy. Now what happens is you go to work, you're, you're chipper, you're getting paid, you're knocking off your goals and you're happy. You're you. I think people lose themselves when it comes to their finances and they it makes them. It's like one of those top being frugal is like the topic where parents really don't. You ever notice that parents really never talk about how parenting sucks sometimes? Like, let's keep it real. Like you, that's you cannot say that. You can be like, yo, my kid got up at five. Oh, my God. Are they serious? Like, you never really see that. You just see like, oh, my gosh, he's great. No, sometimes it ain't great. Right. <laughs> so let's keep it 100. So I think frugality is the same thing. They, they think that's what people want to hear. This is the same person who don't budget, but then you coupon. You know how hard it is to coupon? <laughs> Come on now. I looked at it. I tried. I was like, yo, nah, B, I'd rather just work a little bit harder. That's what I said. I would not, I'm not going to spend several hours on Sunday going through the circulars when I could put an extra two, three hours in and make 500. Why would I'm not trying to save 500 on groceries that are probably unhealthy things that I'm not going to use. You know, it's funny because even in a lot of financial spaces, I will find myself very perturbed because people assume because you talk about money topics that automatically puts you in the frugal category. Mm-mm. And I don't consider myself to be frugal. Now, do I want a good deal on things? Absolutely. Do I want, um, you know, to get the best that I can and pay the least? I think most of us do. Like, who doesn't want a deal? However, I'm not going to, you know, make my own soap. Like, that's just not what I do. I'm not going right. to spend time on YouTube and, you know, spend hours trying to go source natural ingredients in order to when somebody already does that and I can buy it and I can use my time more wisely. And I think sometimes in this in this space with money stuff, um, people want you to tell them that. And I really think that if you're just disciplined, you don't have to go the route of deprivation. You can be disciplined with what you are already doing and just have an awareness, like you're saying, be aware, create a date to have, you know, a, a weekly date or whatever, to check in with your money. But up here, wasting time personally. Now, I'm not knocking couponers. If that's your jam and you figured out a way to make it work, then do you. I just don't think that to be good with money, you have to go down the frugal path. This, you know, I, I just don't think you have to. I agree 100% on that. I, I agree. Um, sometimes the answer is bringing more money. Sometimes the answer is sacrifice to get the training to bring in more money. There's been times where I was I was sitting there, even in my IT job. How do I get to the next level? Like, 
you know, uh, I'm, I'm making half, of, I'm making half of what the average is here. What do I need to do to get there? Speaking to, oh, you got to take, then I'm starting doing research. Oh, I got to take this certification. Well, that certification cost a thousand dollars. What can I do to get the money to take that certification and put me in position? So two years from now, I'm not having the same conversation. So it's, it's, it's stuff like that, that you need to just say, you know what? Sometimes I got to make more money. Sometimes I got to get training. Sometimes I got to sit down and say, you know what? They not giving me a shot here. I got to leave this job to get some more money. Sometimes I got to pick up and go to another state to get what I need. Well, I think a lot of times the answer is earning more money to be quite frank. And I think to your point, whether you're in a career or you're an entrepreneur, investing in yourself to go to the next level is a big part of how you do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's required. It's one of the reasons I had the earn more money movement for women. It was like, instead of waiting for employers to come around and do the right thing, what can we be doing? How can we be proactive about going after those opportunities, um, whatever that may be? But the thing that I find most interesting is it's it's a it's a cycle because I find when I do one-on-one calls, for example, that people will be like, well, I don't have the money to do that, but it's also you don't have the money. Like you also don't have the time to keep complaining or the mm. energy to keep complaining about where you are. So to your point, do you want to win or do you want to look good losing? Right. <laughs> because you only have two options. That's it. That's that's it. You either are hitting your goals or you're not. That's that, and, and that's what that's why I say to myself every day. Did you make progress towards who you want to be a year from now? Did you literally? If you should end every day with that question, you should wake up. <laughs> Did I make progress towards who I want to be a year from now? Yesterday, with my actions. If the answer is no, you got to switch something up. Right. We did an episode called uh, "I think it was Who Are You Becoming," and that's the thing. Like so many times, we set goals, but we don't realize who we have to become in the progress to actually hit them. And mm. you become in the progress has to be someone who's willing to sit down and do the work, who's not looking to pass the credit stuff or any of this stuff off to the next person without being willing to really commit to, not interested in. Because that's another thing we talk about here is that a lot of people are interested in getting their credit together, but they never make progress because they're not committed to it. And the way that you explain it, even with being specific, it's about, I need to get my credit to this score so that I can buy a house, right? Like mm-hmm. that creates a level of, first of all, you just have that visual. So that inspires commitment rather than, you know what, one day I sure wish I could get a house one day. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I sure wish, you know, and now we're wishing and hoping and praying and we're not doing the work to actually just make it happen. So I really do appreciate how, Um, intentional you are with all the stuff that you do, but especially the effort that you put into so many people. Like, I love going to your site and seeing all the video testimonials of what people have been able to create in their lives because of this work. And even though you initially wanted to give them kind of a holistic financial planning thing, if you got to start with credit to get them in, then more power to you. But I love that it's really full service and people can get help with different areas of their personal finance. Like, I don't feel like that's my ministry, Dominique. I think I'm really um, mindset and behavior, but I love what I do because I think I get people ready to receive what you offer as well. Like, I feel like that's my my place in the personal finance track is I'm not the frugalista person. I'm not, you know, super budgeting. I like, I'm, my thing is you won't do any of it if your mindset is not in the right place. And my goal is to help you shift your mindset. 
That is 100% true. Yeah. So before I let you go, my friend, I have a few questions to ask. We call these redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions. Mm-hmm. And just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Mm-hmm. How do you define success? Success to me is waking up every day with a sense of purpose. And what I mean by that is you are excited about your work. You're excited about the people around you and you are excited to accomplish that next goal. Love it. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Having the time is wealth to me. A lot of people put way too much emphasis on income coming in, whether it's gross or net, but time is wealth. And I realized that the other day, you know, I made my post about only work. 39 minutes. I was supposed to make eight hours and um, I, I made the most money in that 39 minutes I've made all year. <laughs> so it's a scenario where having the time, having the systems, uh, having the ability, that's wealth to me. I love it. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Elizabeth Warren, The Two Income Trap. Um, that book changed everything for me. It was the the book that put me um, that I, pretty much when I struck, restructured our finances as a family, we lived off one income um, because of that book. So that, that was the, the, the personal thing for me. I'm pretty, pretty sure there's some other ones in there, but that one had a huge impact on me. Love it. And fill in this blank. My name is, and for me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Dominique and the truth about wealth is it's easy. You already have it. You really do kind of already have it in you. More money won't make you happier. (laughs) If you already have family, you already can do the things that you want if you have the time, right? So that's, that's my answer there. Thank you, Dominique. All right. Now, didn't I tell you that Dominique was good? This guy is amazing. He is so full of wisdom on so many different areas related to personal finance. And I have to say, as someone who's been in this space for a long time, there are not many people out there like Dominique who have really taken the time to sit down, myself included, I must say, to sit down and drill down on so many different areas related to personal finance. And so I think that anytime you can get in his presence or be around him, that that is something that you should do. Um, I said to in one of the in the private mastermind community that we're in, I said, I want to get some shirts that just says do what Dominique says. Just do what Dominique says. That's like becoming my motto. I think it might become yours, too. So if you're interested in joining Dominique for the Your Finances Simplified Academy, then right now I would suggest you head to patricewashington.com backslash YFS Academy. That's patricewashington.com backslash YFS Academy. It's like he said, just go take a second. Listen, like sometimes we're just not even willing to take the next best step. And if you know that you need support in several areas, and you've been looking for a good resource, then I think Dominique can definitely be that for many people out there. Um, If nothing else, it's a great start. It's a great step in the right direction. Because like he said during the interview, many of you will will listen to the podcast, you'll get the book, you'll get something, and then you just still won't do it. And sometimes you just need to be in community and you need to have that ongoing accountability and support. And if you are truly looking to crush some big financial goals in the next six months, 12 months, 18 months, then go put yourself in a community where that is the conversation. 
Because I guarantee that's not the conversation just happening in a lot of the groups that you're in now. It's not for most of us. And something else that he really said that stood out to me was that you're not going to win by not starting. No one wins by not taking the next best step. Not only do you not win, but the community around you doesn't win. Your family doesn't win. There's so many things that get held up and tripped up when you don't decide to just take, again, the next best step. So if you're interested, go over to patricewashington.com backslash YFS Academy and find out more about Dominique. And remember that most of our financial challenges, most of our credit challenges, they really happen because we won't check our behavior. And so Redefining Wealth is dedicated to helping you shift behavior so that when you run into someone like Dominique, who has such a skill set and can help you in so many ways that you're finally ready to take action. So that's the role I play and that's the role that he plays. And I hope you guys will take him up on the offer to join the Academy. So that is it for the Confident Money series. I hope you learned a lot this month and that it was a blessing to you. Make sure that you rate, that you review, that you share with others. That's the only way we get the word out. And let me know. Hit me up in social media. Seek Wisdom PCW. Seek Wisdom PCW on Instagram. That's where I like to play the most. Also, come join the Purpose Chasers community at IamAPurposeChaser.com. And until we speak next week, I want you to go live your life's purpose find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later.